Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We'll gladly take a sack on the stat sheet if a quarterback slides and you touch him. If you chase him out of bounds back behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, Dan Orlovsky runs out the back of the end zone. I'm the closest one to him because I chased him out. It's a sack safety, you know what I mean? So You were never looking to ever disrespect or show anybody up. That was just such a funny thing, right? And he laughs about it. But did you tell my dude, are you that dumb? Like, what did you say? No, what did you do? I, what did you think? I was dying laughing. First of all, I was like, man, that was a hell of a rush. And I was dying laughing because I knew that was my sack. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast and welcome to episode 252 where... We are keeping our NFL All-Pro streak rolling because this week my guest is not just a former All-Pro, but a four-time first-team All-Pro and a two-time NFL sack leader. He is a member of the Vikings Ring of Honor. My guest is the legendary pass rusher, Jared Allen. If you remember Jared's prime, you remember he was an absolute sack monster and so much more than that. He had a personality just as big as that 6'6", 270-pound-plus frame and is once again a Hall of Fame finalist this year and very much deserving of that. So I cannot wait to get into that with him, and I can't wait to chop it up with an awesome dude. So let's not waste any more time. It is episode 252 with the icon, Jared Allen, and it's coming at you right now. Jared, it is absolutely awesome to get caught up, my man. How you living, dude? What's up? Oh, I'm doing well. Just, uh, you know, chasing kids, exercising horses, um, you know, all the fun stuff. Curling, trying to squeeze some golf in every now and then, you know, all, all the good all the good retired activities. <laughs> I was going to say some of my favorite things, right? You got the kids, you got the horses. You pick up your bats and swing the golf clubs, and you curl. You mentioned retirement, so let me ask you. Some guys seem to make that transition to their post-playing career pretty seamlessly. Others struggle with it. What was it like for you? Oh, it's simple, right? Um, I think I, I knew for a long time, as much as I loved football and doing meets because I was, I always knew that football was a means to an end. Um, and as I got older, right, and you priorities shift, and obviously being a man of faith, you realize that, you know, that's, it's a part of who you are. It's not your entire identity. And so, you know, I was able to come to terms with that, you know, long before I even retired and then, you know, getting married and, you know, having kids, you know, I always say, you know, your kids are like the ultimate uh, ego killer, right? You realize, you know, once you, re- once you get married, it's kind of like, all right, I got one other person I got to, you know, take care of and you and your wife kind of just living life and then kids come and it's no longer about either of you. It's all about them. Um, so, you know, for me, it was, it was simple, I think. And I, I was, you know, lucky enough and blessed enough to, to play the game my way, right? I was never cut. Uh, I was never told no. Uh, every trade, you know, every team I went to was a trade that I asked for and got to go to the team I wanted to go to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had no regrets. Life life was good. I knew I would transition and, and uh, it'd be just fine. You know, like I said, I was blessed financially. So, you know, that wasn't an issue. And um yeah, life's been good. So I try to keep that perspective. And, uh, you know, now 
you know, take that mentality into raising kids, chasing them around, trying to be the best husband I can be. And, uh, you know, if you can fool them one day at a time, that's all you can ask for. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, you got that, you got that going for you. I think you nailed it though. At the very first part of the answer, when you said it was never my identity, love, I loved it. I went after it. That was my goal, but I was never, I never defined myself completely through that. And I think the, the guys that understand that do the best in making that transition. And you always did understand that. What about the Hall of Fame? Let me ask you about that because you are a finalist for induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You were a finalist in 2021 and last year as well. So you've been through the process a couple of times. How are you approaching it this time? Um, honestly, similar to the way I approached it the first time uh, with zero expectations. <laughs> right. Uh you know, it, it, it's it's I, I keep you know when people ask me this question, it's like I want to answer it differently because I don't want to sound cliche and I don't want to sound just like a, a robotic answer. But if the truth is, it's just like this surreal, humbling feeling, right? Because you look at the list of players, like man, these dudes are great. Some of them I grew up watching. Some of them I played with, competed against. Um, so you get this call, and, and you know, I was you know right first year eligibility, I make the finals. You're just like, oh my gosh, mind kind of blown. Then you don't make it. Last year, you kind of start, you know, you're on another list. You make the finals, and you kind of have to start having some expectation. Uh, but this year, you know, then I was let down, right? And then um, this year, I've just, I've really try each time just to, to focus on on what it is. I have zero control, so I think that's that's tough too, right? I'm being judged on something I've already done. It's not like I can go and tip the scales in my favor, this, that, and the other. So I really just try to, you know, take it in stride, and and you know, and when it when it happens. It happens. It'll be one of the greatest moments of my my life, my career. Uh, it'll be phenomenal. Um, but again, I don't. You know, I, I feel like you lose sleep trying to analyze what other people are thinking, and I try to control what I can control, and I don't have any control over it. Yeah, Jared, you just said when it happens. I mean, I agree with you. I don't know if you meant to say that or it kind of slipped, but it, it's a matter of when and not if, right? Even if it is out of your control. Oh, I hope so. I mean, that's probably maybe the only place I've let myself dream a little bit. I'm like, they're not surely not going to put me on three three years in a row on the finals, not to let me in eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you bet. You bet. I mean, that's, I'm a math guy, so probability. <laughs> I was going to say we've done the math on this, right? <laughs> everybody else, everybody else around me on the list is in the Hall of Fame. So at one point, they got to let me in. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, you know what's funny about it, Jared, is you. It feels like you spent your entire career in Minnesota, but of course you did not. You made the point that, hey, listen, I had a great career in the sense that I never got cut. I got traded where I want to be traded too. But the fact of the matter is, you were drafted by the Chiefs. For those who do not remember, first team All Pro players generally do not get traded. For those who don't know or don't remember, how did that go down? Yeah, that was that was a crazy time, man. Um, that was my first real intro into the other side of the NFL, right? Um, so you know, I'll, I'll brief Cliff noted and make it a little bit in detail for people that don't know. But yeah, you know, I was coming off of you know getting in trouble, uh, acting like an, like an idiot, and um, you know, I, I really wanted to prove myself that you know, I loved the Kansas City organization, I loved that city, um, and so you know, I kind of I told them, you know, when they tendered me. You know that you know. Hey, listen, I'll sign my tender because I was only on a three back in back when your rookie deal was only three years. The league minimum was like two twenty five, right? These kids, like, guys, are killing it. Um, right. So I told him, I said, "Hey, let me play it out. Let me prove to you I've I've you know matured. I've done what I need to do." But I warned him. I said, "Don't franchise. If you franchise me, like I'm gonna take it as a sign of disrespect." And you know, sure enough, 
you know, we get into it. I end up leading the league in sacks, making my you know, the old pro and, uh, and they, and they try to franchise me. And so uh, we had some meetings set up with Danny and Carl. At one point, my agent and I were sitting on the phone for literally over 20 minutes uh, waiting on the phone for Carl to jump on the, on the phone call that the chiefs had scheduled. It wasn't like we scheduled the call. They scheduled it. Right. And we got a phone and Danny Thum jumps on the phone and goes, uh, by the way, Carl's on his way to the airport. He had to leave the country all of a sudden. Mm. I'm like, you don't just last minute jump on a flight to France, you know, wherever the heck you're going. You don't just last minute leave the country. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. I see that's where we, we fall in line. And that's so why I called Clark and I said, hey, you know, uh, basically you guys can rent me for two years and I'll probably pull a hamstring um, each year at, at the price you want to play. Or you can trade me, get some pictures from me, let me go somewhere where I'm going to get paid, be happy. Uh, and people believe in me. So you know, we battled and, and I get, I get their job is to beat you down and, and get you at your, at, you know, at what they consider their, their cheapest, your worst. Um, I just was at a point in my career. I think, you know, my life, I just, I, I knew my, I knew my value. I was, I knew where I was at in life. I knew where I was going in life and I wasn't going to sit around and have people, you know, con- constantly judge me against my past and hold me to my past and try to beat me down over something that was, you know, we addressed. And I think what hurt the most was I was so honest with them. And I, I think people appreciate it. I've been pretty honest my whole life, my whole career. Um, I was so honest with them about everything that, you know, I went through, go through like, Hey, let me prove to you. And so when it didn't, when I, when I, when I did my part and then they kind of slapped me in the face by not doing their part, I mean, it pissed me off. And so I was like, all right, you know, now, now I'm numb. Now I know what the, now I know what the football world's all about, the NFL world. And so we ended up going to Minnesota, but I, I couldn't have gone to a better place. I mean, that, I mean, I still to this day have such phenomenal relationships up there that, uh, you know, again, God puts you where you need to be. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Jared, that's an amazing story. Like, I want to say, and... Even more so because we'll get into this in a minute because you got paid. Once you got there, you got paid. Normally when somebody says it's not about the money, my response is it's about one thing, the money. (laughs) However, and we're not saying the money didn't matter because the money did matter. But what I'm hearing from you is, hey, listen, I, I own this. I made some mistakes when I got there, but I want you to say to me, look, I've evolved. I've matured. We trust you. Did you feel like you had to bounce to go to some place where you could get a fresh start where they would say to you, listen, we do trust you. We know what you're about. Yeah, you know what? And what's crazy is I even, you know, Tampa was on that list too, right? And so people don't realize, like, you know, the Chiefs had to okay where I was going to go because it was a sign and trade. So in essence, the Chiefs had to sign me to whatever deal I agreed with. And then the other team I was going to 
had to agree to the picks, right, to give up. And so it was a kind of a crazy moment. And I'll never forget, it was between Tampa and Minnesota. And, you know, the, the Chiefs were trying to push me towards Tampa. And um, I think, I can't remember, is it, I'm not Bruce, was it, who, he, he ended up being the GM of, uh, he ended up being the GM of, of the Washington Redskins, um, Allen. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Allen? Allen. Yeah, so he was there, and he started kind of saying having the same rhetoric that the Chiefs were having, right, about being at risk and this. We don't know if we can pay. We can't trust you. And I, and I flat out told him, I said, why on earth would I sign somewhere? I'm leaving somewhere that doesn't believe in me. Why the heck would I, would I sign somewhere that doesn't believe in me? You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and so, you know, Minnesota just happened to be the right fit with Rick and Rob uh, Brinkowski up there and, and you know, just – you know, Mark and Ziggy, you know, and, and Brad Childress, obviously a huge part of that. I mean, that, that organization, we sat down, we, we, they, they asked, why do you know, why should we believe in you? It wasn't like, we don't buy should We, not, you know, we went through the whole deal. We told them, said, man, you, this is the man I am now. You, you don't, you know, just watch me live. You'll see, I don't need to sit there and explain myself. And, uh, and we, we met for a couple of days and it, it was, it was perfect. And, and they, you know, they obviously, they showed, they showed that they trust me and believe in me by rewarding me with such an amazing contract, but it was just, it was just the, the different tone and conversation. And, and so, you know, I'm with you. 99.9% of the time, it's about the money. Um, I think I just happened to be at a place in my career where I was arrogant enough to know, you know, I'm, hey, listen, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get paid eventually. But I was at a point in my life where I, I, wasn't, I wasn't willing to look backwards anymore. I wanted to look forward and I wanted to be set up where I was going to become a better person and a better man. And, and, and that, that, those places, and at that time, Kansas City wasn't the place. Uh, and we, we know relationships get mended. They've had me back multiple times. Um, you know, obviously no, you know, you don't cry over spilled milk. It is what it is. And, uh, but yeah, it just, I'd say it, it, you're, you're right. It just, I just happened to be one of those perfect timings where, you know, emotion, my emotions were more important than the financials at that time. I love it. I mean, it's so clear too, because look at what happened once you got there. And I'd make the point, Jared, that not only did they give you a big contract, but they gave up a ton in compensation to get you from Kansas City. So you you have a team or a franchise that believes in you. They're paying you. They gave up a ton to get you. I would imagine you had to have been feeling it when you hit the field for them the first time. How hyped were you for that first game as a Viking? And what do you remember about that night? Oh, I'll never forget it. It was probably the worst game of my career. Mm. <laughs> Tell me, we were playing. We were playing. Uh, we were playing Green Bay up in on uh, Monday Night Football in Green Bay, and I, I mean, you know, I have this. I have this philosophy. I'll never be the guy, right? I'm never going to be the guy with the bus. I, I can pick up a, a new sport, do or anything. I'm just my my philosophy. Is like, don't be the worst guy out there. Just don't be that guy. Um, and so, you know, I would, I'd be lying if I say you don't feel the pressure of a massive contract, a massive trade deal, right? And everybody wants to know if you're going to flop, you know, is it, was he a one year or one, you know, one year wonder, you know, with 15 and a half, you know, even though I'd had, you know, three good years prior to that in Kansas City. So I, I was like overly hyped and I was overly thinking I was trying way too hard. And uh, I remember we came out, we ended up losing that game. And, you know, so Minnesota, they used to do like production points, right? And I ended up having negative four production points that game. And I was just like, walk out, go back and watching film. And I was just kind of playing outside, you know, my, my technique, just over trying. And, but you know what? I learned from it. And I, I, for the rest of my career, I would write on my wrist tape, minus four, never again, right? Just as a constant reminder 
don't suck. Like, don't be that guy. Um, and, and it worked out. It was a good reminder. But, yeah, Monday Night Football out there. And Chad Clifton, he's a hell of a player, right? And I got to play against him in Kansas City. But he kind of uh, – he kind of he got, he got the best of me that game up there. And so, you know, lucky for me, I got the best of him back here – back there in Minnesota, you know, getting a safety on, on air in that next game. But, yeah, that first game, man, it was, it was overhyped, right? And I, I try to tell that the young players, like, you got to be able to control your emotions because you can play outside yourself and try so hard to get that sack or try hard – so hard to to play, you know, in a certain way. You got football's a rhythm, man. You got to let it come to you. You got to you got to read your blocks. You got to make your plays adjust adjustments off of what you're getting. And um, but yeah, I, I sucked that first game. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> There's so many things about that story, Joe, that I love. I love. I was gonna say to you, so what do you do with that negative four in that tape? Do you burn the film and forget about the negative four? But no, you use that as fuel. You know, also it, it's kind of a fine line, right? Because you were such a high energy, big motor guy, but you don't want to get so caught up and so hyped that you lose technique. It's that whole notion of kind of like try easier, which is not an easy thing to do. Like you talked about working with the younger guys. When you first came up, who were some of the guys that took you under their wing? Man, Eric Hicks, uh, Vonnie Holiday, um, and believe it or not, like Derek Thomas and Leslie O'Neill, even though I never had to meet them, obviously Derek passed. Uh, I watched so much film of them. Uh, John Browning was in our D-line room. We had an incredible D-line room. And, you know, they really, you know, they really showed me the ropes. And I had a phenomenal D-line coach in Bob Carmelowitz, who was a tactician. I mean, we had a, we had an anatomy skeleton in our room to learn about, you know, how to, how to manipulate joints and angles and bones and big bones on small bones and all this stuff. Uh, so I learned a lot, but, you know, guys like Eric Hicks, you know, they teach you those ins and outs, right? I mean, back before we had all these RPOs and stuff like that, you know, little things that you could pick up. Hey, man, you got flow away, something coming back to you. You know, you got to get underneath or that's going to, or you know, check out this angle. You got to climb because that's a, that, that's a bootleg read. Um, Derek Th- Thomas taught me how to get off the ball so quick by watching the quarterback's hands, right? So I was watching, I'm like, I remember asking Bob Carmelo, so I said, how is this guy off the ball so fast? Because he doesn't watch the ball, he watches the quarterback hands. Ninety-nine percent of all quarterbacks will drop their bottom hand right as they're about to, you know, ask for the ball. Uh, so I picked that up early. Um, you know, the competition I had with Vonnie Holiday, and I always have the you know, utmost respect for that man. So I'll never forget. We going into week six, I get a phone call from him, and he straight up he goes, "Hey man, just so you know, you're starting this week. Your tape is hotter than mine." He's like, "Listen, I'm coming to get my job back, but don't ever give it back to me." Hmm. And I just had, you know, those, those were the kind of relationships we had in that team that pushed us, pushed us, pushed us. And, you know, I had great guys in that locker room, obviously, you know, ended up being, I think, what, one, two, three, four Hall of Famers in uh, Ty Law. You know, I had, you know, obviously Tony Gonzalez to go against every day, Willie Rove, Will Shields, Brian Waters. I mean, the list of, 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 of pros, pros in, the, in that locker room, you know, were never, Trent Green, you know, uh, weren't short, so. I was I was lucky to have those times, but you know Eric Hicks really I always call him Papa Bear. He took me under his wings and just kind of showed me the ropes, and um, and, and we went from there. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, new customers can bet just five bucks and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. 
So take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Take the big swing. Get it done. You can win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet 5 bucks on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, but you do have to use the code ROME, R-O-M-E. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Derek, that's amazing. I mean, some of the names you mentioned, and, you know, obviously iron will sharpen iron, and you end up in that room, you're going to get better for it. I mean, you mentioned Derek Thomas. I kind of get chills hearing the name. But you know what's amazing, Jared? This is really amazing. You and I had a lot of conversations when you played, but a guy that I always did really well with that was really different, that was a genius, man, a brilliant player, but there was nobody like him, is a guy you just mentioned, Leslie O'Neill. Dude, What? Yeah. explain why this guy, and he was an incredible technician and an incredible player. What, talk about him, and what did you respect about him? So his tenacity, Leslie was, I mean, you just, you watched him in film, you know, it's not like you have volume, right? You're just watching film, and you're watching this dude when did the Chiefs and the Chargers, and he just, I mean, he would throw a hump that you're just like, and I couldn't, I could never throw a hump like that. Right. I was, I had the inside long arm technique, but this dude would put people to the ground. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And you could just feel whether, whether, whatever he was doing, his technique, he did it full go like full tilt with, with bad intention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think I admired the most about him. He obviously wasn't the fastest dude off, you know, he wasn't the Derek Thomas off the ball. But he knew how to manipulate an offensive lineman's body to get them where he wanted them to be successful. And I think that's what I loved the most about him, watching that tenacity, just watching him physically dominate people, right? Um, And you're just like, geez, this dude just is constantly all over this guy. Um, And so, you know, for yeah, that was Gunther Cunningham. I mean, he he told he was like, hey, this is the film. This is who you need to be. And, and, and honestly, I got to I got to get my hat off the gun because, you know, to him, Derek Thomas was the end all be all. Right. And he told me that you aren't worth your salt unless you can average 12 sacks a year in this league. Right. Um, you know, he was mistaken. I think Derek averaged just, you know, 11 something. And so that's what I judged my entire career off was. Can I outpace Derek Thomas? Can I average 12 sacks a year? Because that was the standard in Kansas City. And then you throw Leslie O'Neill on that. So you're like, okay. You have this dude that can beat anybody around the corner in Derek Thomas and is a freak of an athlete. And then you got this dude, Leslie O'Neill, just slapping the piss out of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, and, man. And not only that, dude, he just like mentally, like he he was just such a different cat back then. He was so great, man. Tell, like that's what I'm saying. You couldn't even hear it on the film, but you could tell when he put his hand in the dirt, you're like, yeah, this dude's MFing somebody right now. Like he is, he is out there getting people. I loved it. I, that's why I'm so pumped that you mentioned him. I haven't thought about him recently. Like, I don't even know. You play golf with him? He's got to be playing golf, right? Like, what's Leslie no, doing never, right now? I never got. I never met Leslie. Never. Oh, incredible! I sing, I sing his praises, and I never got to. Incredible! Meet him. Incredible! So, I love that. 
I love that. You know, you mentioned, like, I mean, what a crazy standard, Jared, that is that, like, I had to average 12 or 14 sacks. fact of the matter is, in 2012, of course, you had that year where you had 22. I, I'm curious, like, were you in the zone for an entire season? Was everything in slow motion? What did the season actually feel like for you on the field in a season where you had 22 sacks? I tell people that the, the only difference between that and a normal season is I didn't miss, right? Mm-hmm. I can go back and count 10 a year that I missed, right? Uh, where, you know, and, and legit, like you're hitting a guy right as you throw, or, you know, you're just, you're coming around the edge and, you know, he maybe breaks a tackle, you get blocked off. <laughs> um, where you're right there. And that year, man, I just didn't miss. And I can count the three I missed that year. Uh, Aaron, well, uh, Drew Brees, right? I hit him right as his ball, his arm was going forward. They thought they actually thought it was a fumble. They went back and replayed it and his arm they said it was going forward. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I actually had the 23rd sack against Aaron on Monday night. Uh, he takes the ball, you know, snap, catches the snap, kind of, you know, I push Newhouse on top of him. He, you know, puts his hand, drops the ball, picks it back up. I tackle him. Sack. They gave me the sack on Wednesday. They call it a muff as a team sack. I'm like, he made a football move. That's a fumble all day long. Uh, so they give it a team sack. I still argue. I was I was on that team, so I should get a part of that sack. And so I should definitely be in the Strahan conversation. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was another one in that game where I came through on a blitz. Young kids don't celebrate you know, too early. I hit Aaron Rodgers. I thought he went down. I was off celebrating. I didn't realize he was still up. And Twan, uh, Antoine Winfield ended up sacking him. So those probably the only three I missed that year. And that's and that's the difference, man. I just I didn't miss, uh, and I was able to string it together. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those years where you know matchups were favorable because it's like fights, right? Fights, the matchups make fights. Um, you know, matchups were favorable. Um, we just it just was you know things things were cranking and. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me and it just i just didn't miss and i it's the best way to describe it you know you'll have those games well that was back before they used to do this now they have like a disruption stat i've never even heard of that disruption stat until recent years but you know you have you have years where even you know when i led the league in sacks with you know you know what 14 and a half 15 and a half or whatever it was um you can go back and be like man i could have had easily another five right If, if this or this and this and that was one of those years you didn't. And then not to mention, I wasn't even worried about like Jason Strahan's record. You know, you got to look, Jason Babin comes out of nowhere that year and has like 18 and a half. Uh, DeMarcus Ware ends up, I think, having 19 and a half that year. And going in that final game, I, I was trying to get my second sack title, right? And we're going to that final game. And I think I'm leading by one or only a half or one sack. And I'm like, man, I need to get three or four of this game just to make sure I get the sack title, not along the the, uh, the single season sack record. So I was I was also being pushed heavily from like Ware and uh, and Babin on on you know trying to get the sack title. So I think it was one of those things where it was kind of a culmination. But um, but yeah, I mean, closest thing I'd call it to being in the zone, you know, because I guess that's what you call it when you don't miss. So the bottom line on that, Jared, like, are you thinking that was an amazing year individually, one unforgettable year, or are you kicking yourself for the three that you didn't get? And are you thinking that record should be mine? I'm the guy. Uh, yes and no. Kick myself those three I don't get. The one that the one that hurts the most is the one they took from me, right? right. They gave me the <laughs> and then they said it's a team sack. And I'm like, well, I'm part of that team. So at least give me half. Uh, I'm on the tackle, the guy. Um, uh, and they call it a muff. So, 
you know, everybody likes to give Strahan crap over the uh, over the farm, you know, sliding. Here's Should, the deal. Every they? single what do you no, what do you come out on that? Every because every single defensive player in the league will gladly take a sack on the stat sheet if a quarterback slides and you touch him. If you chase him out of bounds back behind the line of scrimmage, I mean, Dan Orlovsky runs out the back of the end zone. I'm the closest one to him because I chased him out. It's a sack safety. You know what I mean? So, no, hey, it is what it is. Straight, straight got it. Um, I wish I wish they'd give me that one uh, that one back from Rodgers. But, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, anybody in that 22-23 range, you know, it, that's a rare place to be. Even 20, you know, upper teens is tough. It's a rare place to be. And and you really have to you really have to be on. You, you just you just can't miss. Uh, and there's a reason it's not repeated very often, because it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like Jordan, he's not going to score 80 points every game. But it, but it's possible. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. That's rarefied air to uh, coin a phrase. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Jerry, that Orlovsky thing, when you talk about that, like you, you were never looking to ever disrespect or show anybody up. That was just such a funny thing, right? And he laughs about it. But when he stepped out of the end zone and you were the closest one to him, did you like, did you tell him like, dude, are you that dumb? Like, what did you say? No, what did you do? I what did was, you think? I was dying laughing. First of all, I was like, man, that was a hell of a rush. I, I came off the edge, nice. And I was dying laughing because I knew that was my sack, right? And it was safety. But more importantly, Kevin, Kevin Williams, I think, ended up having four sacks in that game, right? And he jumps out to like six sacks early. And I think I was sitting there. That was might have been my third or fourth of that year. Of that year. I can't remember. And I'm, my mind, I'm like, dude, if a D lineman, if a D tackle beats me in sacks, when they just paid me all this money to come here and, you know, step up the freaking pass rush game. I'm like, I'm going to have to quit. It's great, as great as Kevin Williams. I love Kevin. He's one of my favorite. That's your dude, man. Players. That's your dude. And I'm like, I'm like, that is my dude. And I'm like, this dude's got four sacks already. And so when I got, when I got that one, I was laughing because I knew Kevin was hot pissed. And he was like, that's some bull, bro. Like, that's, <laughs> that's crap. Great. And I was like, yeah, and throw, and throw a safety on top. My production points are through the roof, Kev. <laughs> that is funny. That is really funny. You know, it makes me wonder, Jared, before you go, like you mentioned Kevin Williams and like if he had more sacks than you, that was going to be a real problem. And I know that's your dude. I know you love him on off the field. But it makes me wonder, you know, when I look at you and your drive, was it UVU? Was it you v the man in front of you? Was it you v the guys you played with? I mean, who was your competition? Everybody. Um, it really was. And I mean, so, you know, when I came from Kansas City, Minnesota, that D-line room with Pat and Kevin Ray and, and, you know, Coach Dunbar, I mean, that room was so competitive amongst themselves. I mean, you didn't really have like, – that really was your goal. Like, I, I got to outshine these guys, right? And, and it just happened to be the opponents were going to feel the wrath of that. Um and it was a comment because when I got there, there's like, listen, homie, we play the run. I'm like, you guys know I had like 70 tackles last right. <laughs> right? And I'm like, You do play okay. the run. You did play the yeah, run. I was like, okay. 
And so, you know, that's why I always tease them. I was like, hey, guys, who led the uh, who led the D-line of tackles every year? I'm just curious. And, uh, you know, but they they did. They pushed me and they drove me. And, and it was actually kind of tough for Kevin and I to learn to play together at first, right? Because we'd end up be on the same side sometimes. And when you're rushing, you're doing that, you know, you're almost in each other's way at times, right? So we, we realized soon if we split, you know, now the offensive linemen, they, now they have to choose. They can't slide to Kev. Or if they're going to slide to Kev, they're going to leave me one-on-one. If they're going to slide to me, he's going to get the one-on-one. So, uh, you know, that was that was kind of a challenge. But, man, it really was. I, I genuinely always felt, you know, underappreciated in the league. I always felt disrespect. I always felt like I had something to prove. Um, and not only to my, you know, to my room, to my peers, to the organizations, to the league. Um, but that's kind of how I motivated myself was, was self-drive. I remember, I'll never forget a, a line Tony Gonzalez said, Herm Edwards asked him to speak to the team one time, and he said no. And I was like, hey, Tony, why not? He said, because if anybody in that room needs me to motivate them, they shouldn't be in the NFL. Hmm. He said, if you aren't self-motivated to be the absolute best, nothing I, nothing I say is good. If I have to pump you up, I don't even want you on this team. And I was just like, dang. I'll never forget that. I was just like, that dude. So, you know, just taught me to be that driven. And, you know, again, I just, you know, all the way from high school to college to, you know, always kind of being considered myself the underdog. I just always took that approach. And so, yeah, it was, it was me versus everybody all the time. Jared, did you, before you leave, did you have a plan B? Like you always had that drive. I was going to ask you where the drive came from and what kind of fuel you were running on. You just kind of answered it, but did you have a plan B or was there no way out? Did you burn the boats? Did you always know this no, was it? I, oh, the ships, the ships were burnt. The only plan I had was either going back to the ranch and, and training horses with my dad or going to the military. Um, and I didn't really consider those options. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got I got the boats burning on my rib cage tattooed. So that was my that was my philosophy mentality. I don't recommend that to kids to put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know that but, when uh, I when I use that phrase, I did not know you had that ink. That's really interesting. Hey, yeah. Leave me with this thought. I know you've always been so good about being in the community and giving back. What is the latest with the work you're doing with the Wounded Warriors and why explain the respect, the profound respect and admiration you have for those guys? Yeah, so we're, we're still grinding along. We're still building houses. We have great partnerships. Um, so we gave away three or four just last year. Um, and we got another six going on right now. So, you know, you just, you know, for me, my grandfather um, was 23 years in the United States Marine Corps. You know, brothers all, you know, served, um, you know, uncles served. So I come from a, a long line of military veterans. And I got, you know, I, I learned at a young age that the, the men and women that voluntarily put that uniform on and, and sacrifice at any level for us to live the life we live. Um, those are our true heroes. Right. And so I've always, I've always understood that, you know, I, I play a game for a living um, and, and those men and women go out there and, and they play a game, for, you know, life or death, you know, they mess up it's life or death. And um, so guys like me can, can, you know, be eight years old and tell my dad, I want to play pro football and, and chase that dream to, to fruition. So for me, it's just it's just always been such a humble admiration, respect for them that when I found out there was a gap in adaptive housing, I just knew I had to do something about it. Um, and you know, the, the journey continues until there is no more. Unfortunately, there's a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of men and women with you know with amputees and and life altering injuries that that need help. And so we just keep plugging along. And I'm fortunate to have a you know, great team that, that runs our foundation and, and great partners and, and people like you that are, that are willing to talk about it. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's our mission, and it, it it it's always humbling. I always tell people I get more out of it than I'm sure they get out of it, because when I get to hear the story, even though they can be similar, they're so different. And you know, when you see when you see a grown man, an Army Ranger, you know, in tears, you know, it, it humbles you to your core to realize, man, this this dude, this this is something special. And so uh, it, it's always it's always fun to to be able to get to know these men and women and, and hear their life journeys and, and really put in perspective what's really important. I mean, good for them or thanks to them. Good for you, Jared, for giving back and being a part of that. My man, I got to say, you and I have known each other a long time. We've had a lot of interviews over the years. The thing, I think you're an incredible inspiration, dude, because you sound amazing. In fact, even, even now, way past your playing days, I don't know that you've ever sounded better. Like, your your energy is so good. And I don't just mean your energy like your energy, but just your outlook, man, your perspective, your point of view. I think it's awesome. It's just awesome. So I, I appreciate you so much, and it's so good to plug in and get caught up. And I got so much out of that, man. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you. No, anytime, Jim, you're one of my favorites. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, Omega Tax Credits.com. Always so awesome to get caught up with Jared Allen. I told you this dude is a massive personality and still to this day, there are very few people that are locked in that intense, but that easy to talk to and that good of a dude. So my thanks to Jared Allen for carving out time for the original side hustle. So good to get caught up with him. If you're looking for more of that, you know, more of that fire as in premium extended unfiltered conversations that you cannot get anywhere else, then you are in the right spot. All you have to do is consider subscribing because we're going to pump out a brand new app every single week. And if you subscribe, every new episode will find its way straight to you the second it goes live. So do me a favor, smash that subscribe button. And in the meantime, I'm going to leave you with your precious voicemails. First new message. Band Snack, Mike and Buffalo. Pretty disappointing day here in Bill's country. Probably don't need to tell you that. Immediate reaction, Jim. Uh, the grace period for the head coach and the general manager is over. The Bills have a Super Bowl window here, and uh, it's closing quickly. I don't know if they're ever going to get one done with Josh Allen, but love what they built, love everything about the Bills. But this is a results-driven league, and just getting to the playoffs is not good enough anymore. So... They need to figure some stuff out, and it's it's win it all or bust next year for both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. Sorry to go with a straight sports take, Jim, but that's where we're at. War for the Bills, Super Bowl 2024. Is that what year we're in? I don't even know. Message saved. Next message. Rum Slice. From the days when we swing on the vine, coming in and dropping a dime. Jerry got to go, baby. I'm not a Dallas fan, but Jerry got to go. He needs to take his 20% that he left in New Orleans and take it back home, baby, because you ain't seeing no Super Bowl with that coach. You and your glory whole days need to tell that coach to go dig a hole in that big lake next to his barn and talk to his old buddies about coaching. Rome Slice, one of these days, hopefully you'll pick up the phone. Buenos noches ahora. Message saved. Next message. Roman, this is Jason in East Texas. Look, man. 
I think Jerry Jones needs to hire a general manager, suck it up, go tell Jimmy Johnson, get out the booth, I'll pay you what you want, come in, make us winners again. He needs to quit trying to be the dang coach. That's what's wrong with the Cowboys. Jerry Jones, look, Jerry, sit in your little box, sign the check, and just watch the game. Let somebody else do the other stuff that needs to be done. Message saved. Next message. Uh, uh, this is Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, and I manipulated my schedule this week and have set up a time for my kicker, Brett. He's no threat. May her to get rid of his yips, you know, per se. I will personally schedule a gnarly 300-pound slump buster to cure bread of his eels. Preferably, she will rub his nose in it for full effect. Remember, Jim, if you hit your finger in the wrong hole, your name is Dirty Sanchez. Rack me, crusty alley. I'm out. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Rome, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Man, what a call that was by Mark from Hollywood on Friday's show. I mean, it is incredible to think this guy, you know, has been around the jungle for probably over a decade now, and I think that was one of the best efforts he's made. I mean, Mark's made a lot of good calls over the years, but this might have been his best effort because, you know, at the core, the NFL is the most popular sport in this country, and Mark not only dug into the rivalry between New York and Philadelphia, but he really brought some real insightful knowledge to to the matchup there. So that's what the jungle is about, man. Guys that not only know what they're talking about with sports, but damn, that was entertaining as hell. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne, man. I love it when you have any Pittsburgh Steeler on your podcast. Heinz Ward, the guy's a legend. We can go over stats all day long. He changed the game at wideout. Nobody, and I repeat, nobody could throw a block like Heinz Ward. Ask Ed Reed. Ask Ray Lewis. He was the man. I mean, he changed the game. Yeah, Mel Blunt also changed the game. You change the game, you should be guaranteed a gold jacket. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Rob from Reno. Hey, Frisco fan. Looks like Brock Purdy is the new Tom Brady. That might be all fine and well, but guess what? Joe Burrow from Cincinnati is going to take out Kansas City and face you guys in the Super Bowl after you beat Philadelphia. And I know it's a great story. I'm almost rooting for you. But the thing is, Joe Burrow is special, and he's one of a kind, and it's his destiny. It's his year. Brock Purdy might have it the year after this year, but... You're just going to have to wait back for another year. So go Bengals, Frisco fan. Message deleted. You have no more messages.